1: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence.
2: Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get Dutch rust. It's Sports Garden G A R T E and don't forget the hashtag S G N. 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That's how you can hear us. And guys with the hashtag, remember, hashtag SGN. But that's not just for, you know, if you want to talk to us. Listen, just hashtag it on fantasy questions. Hashtag it on some betting lines that you see. Hashtag SGN all over the place. We love it. All right, guys, lots to talk about today. NHL, NBA, getting down to the nitty-gritty. Major League Baseball, same thing. The playoff format is just about ready to go. College football, yeah, we're going to have some good college football games. The SEC is back this week. And, of course, we are absolutely going to talk about, oh, good old NFL. Or is it good old? Because there was so many injuries. It really it was heartbreaking for a lot of guys out there. Just a, a tough, tough week. First thing I want to start with, I want to start with the playoffs here. NHL playoffs, what we watched was Game 1, Dallas jumped out to a big lead that just couldn't be recovered against Tampa Bay. Game 2, we saw the reverse, and this is going to be that back-and-forth series. You know, if you were betting on the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I, I know they were about a 155-160 favorite to win the series. If you were betting on the Lightning and thought you would have an easy time then you just weren't watching the Dallas Stars this year. You weren't watching the excitement that they brought. You weren't watching the defense that they brought. And you weren't watching the goalie that was standing on his head. It was not going to be easy. I told you I saw the series going six or seven, and nothing's changed for me. You know Nothing has moved where I look at, Tampa Bay and Dallas and if you were on the other side if you had Dallas and you thought that this was going to be easy well first of all uh, you you got a big underdog so you should load up on that but if you thought this was going to be easy then you didn't understand the talent level that Tampa Bay is coming out and I think that that is how this series not only was supposed to go but has been going Tampa Bay is more talented but Dallas is going to have times maybe even games Periods, whatever, where they are just the superior team because of their work ethic. Because their goalie stands on his head. I mean, that's what this series is going to be. So, I believed this was going to go 6 or 7. Not much has changed in my mind that it will go 6 or 7. I think it's going to be a very good Stanley Cup final. And it's one of those Stanley Cups where you can absolutely sit back and say, you know, it wasn't a coronavirus-shortened gift. Yeah, and that was uh, that was my worry in all sports. My worry in all sports was somebody random was going to win and people were going to go, hey, they only won because of the coronavirus. And I, I think no matter who hosts the the trophy here, if Tampa Bay wins, you're going to go, they were the best team in the league last year. They were one of the best teams in the league this year. They had a great playoff and they absolutely deserved it. I don't think you can take anything away from them. Nothing, nothing at all. And Dallas is sort of the same thing, Right. Dallas made the playoffs last year, made the playoffs this year. They got out at the right time, but it, it was more of a product of good on-the-ice play than it was a fluky nature. So I think we're still going 6 or 7 here. I, I still see value in the under. Uh, the further that the games go, the deeper that the playoffs go, I'm starting to see lines 5, 5.5. I still think that there's some value on the under as we go deeper, but take it on a game-by-game basis. How about to the NBA? And in the NBA, I I think we looked at the Heat and Celtics series, and we said this one's going six or seven. I told you it was going to be a game seven, okay? And I predicted the Heat in a game seven strictly because they were red hot. Well, not much has changed because I was in a coin flip mode then. I've watched these games, and I'm still kind of in a coin flip mode. I think the Heat have played marginally better, barely better, maybe we'll say. The Celtics are putting up a good fight. The Celtics are potentially the better team overall. Team their defenses, though, are, are what's shocking that they've had lapses. You know, game two, the first quarter of game two, it was a ridiculous. I, I had the under in that game, and I I wrote to Gary, our producer. I said. Gary, we're done. We're done in the under. Wound up coming under, but that first quarter was just absolutely explosive. You don't see these defensive lapses. And whoever doesn't have that quarter I think is going to win here. I still, again, just like the other series, I still think that this is going six or seven. I still believe that there is value in the under the later the series goes. And I think that that's just embedded in my mind. The more... That you go into a playoff series. The closer that you get to a championship, the tighter things are going to be. And I think that's been embedded into my mind. And this year, I think that it's going to make us some money. So it's something to watch out for. I also worry about Boston's closer. You know, Boston doesn't have the closer. And they still don't. Where I feel very comfortable with the ball... In two players for the Heat's hands at the end of the game, I don't know who I feel comfortable if I'm Boston. So I still think it's going to go six and seven. Um, I still think the Heat are slightly the better team. The lines, by the way, have been all in favor of Boston. It's only two, three points here or there, but it's been in favor of Boston. And and you're almost in a position where you, you just want to take the money line either way. Right. I mean, you want to take the money line at this point. If you're going to take the underdog in this series, yeah, you kind of want to just take the the, the money line. And then you get to Lakers and Nuggets. And after three games, you could have argued that the Nuggets should have been up 1-2-1. One, one. And I think that's, that's a very good reality. Game one, to me, was a throwaway game. I think you throw away game one from a betting angle, from a fan angle— Denver just came off of a game seven emotional win, tired legs. They're going to get blown out by the Lakers. We made a ton of money on that game, and yeah, you know, I told you guys about it. You're going to you going to have to jump on that, okay? Game two and three, Denver was the better team. They were the better team. Now we had a, a miraculous fourth quarter by Anthony Davis to save it. But two and three, they were the better team. The Lakers are still the better team, guys. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this won't turn into a long series. Now, I didn't think this was going to be a long series. I like Denver. I backed Denver. I had Jokic for an MVP stab here. I liked a lot of what Denver did. Just thought the Lakers were playing too good, and they just had those closers. They had that guy at the end. It was interesting to me that LeBron doesn't want to take the shot at the end, though. I should know that by his entire career. And Anthony Davis is the guy, but Davis is the guy. And that is hard to defend if you're Denver, the fact that they have two of them. This now looks like a series that will go deep. It looks like a series that potentially could go set. This looks like a series that will go very deep. And while I, uh, the piece of me that is so anti-LeBron, I want to root for Denver, okay? Uh, From a betting perspective, I think it's very difficult to do so. I do think that the public is not, taking Denver serious enough, but that line is adjusted. In Game 3, the public basically gave them the same line as Game 2. It was within a point. But everybody was betting on the Nuggets, and the books kind of took a little beating there. So, all of a sudden, you're starting to see a little bit coming back. We, we watch the lines adjust, and I think they'll continue to adjust. That's where we stand with the NHL and NBA. How about Major League Baseball? Well, Major League Baseball is starting to look at their playoff picture. We're just days away here and I think you have to look at the elite teams just being elite, right? You know, it's a year where we knew teams were going to sneak into the playoffs, and you wondered, can anyone get in and cause some serious havoc? Well, in the National League, look, I think the Braves are the biggest opponent, the biggest team that might take down the Dodgers because their pitching staff with Freed and Anderson, the way that he's pitching right now, can match up pretty favorably with the Dodgers. And I think the Braves and the Dodgers are 1-2. I think if we talked about the Braves and the Dodgers being 1-2 before the year, everybody would have said, yeah, it's about right. Braves-Dodgers, 1-2, sure. Who else can make some noise here? Marlins, nice story. Don't buy them. Phillies, they might not even make it. Cubs, good story. Don't love the starting pitching outside of Hendricks. Cardinals, uh, and uh, and of course, Darvish. Uh, Cardinals, all right, maybe don't see them making some noise. The Reds, Gray and Bauer, could present some problems. Don't love the bullpen too much. And the Padres are are the team everybody loves. Everybody loves the Padres. I'm not buying in, guys. I just don't see the 1-2. So the National League, I still think it's Atlanta and the Dodgers are 1-2. Outside chance that the Cubs make some noise, potentially. So not a lot of big surprises. We're going to go through these short playoff series. We will have upsets. Someone's going to knock something out. Look, someone's getting knocked out. We know that. Okay, we know someone's going to get knocked out. Um, And in a fluky way, too. But I think that the cream is going to rise to the top. I think we're going to see Atlanta, Dodgers, maybe the Cubs right there in the final weekend to decide who goes to the World Series. The American League side is a little bit more confusing. Because you have the Rays who've played tremendous all year long. Best record in the American League. They have looked great all year long. And then the Yankees are right behind them. The Yankees have turned it on and look absolutely fantastic lately. And besides just them looking fantastic, Garrett Cole has hit that Garrett Cole gear. I said it on the air before, and I've told you guys many times. April and May, go look at Garrett Cole's career numbers his era is not great in april and may so when he started out this year and he had a little bit rough of july and not a so great august and everyone's going oh garrett cole overpaid oh garrett cole's garbage well have you seen what he started to do in september absolute shutdown lockdown that's got to scare some teams and the yankees are getting healthy we know that they are getting healthy and they're swinging the bats like they are healthy it looks like they're putting up 10 points uh 10 runs every single night the Blue Jays, nice story, nice young team, fun young team. Bullpen's weak. Starting pitching is, is just rough. The starting pitching is just really rough. If the Blue Jays advance into the playoffs and do something in the playoffs, it's going to be on the backs of just swinging like like maniacs out there. <laughs> That's really what it is. Uh, White Sox are now an interesting team. And the White Sox... and actually have a better record than the Yankees. They're right there with the Rays. You know, the White Sox are that team that is right there, guys. They have a good, young, exciting lineup. They have the likely MVP in Jose Obreu. They have a lot of players on this team that can carry the team. And their starting pitching is efficient. I'm not going to say they're great. Giolito, Keuchel, their bullpen is solid. They're going to have to get by on their offense, but it's an offense that is good enough that they could do that. The Twins were supposed to be here. The Twins are here. Twins are basically tied with the White Sox. The Twins have a lot of the same problems, though, don't they? That you look at this team, you go, offense is great, young guys, lots of guys could carry this team. Bullpen worries me. Okay, the back end is nice, but the but the middle innings, bullpen worries me. Starting pitching has to concern you and then you get to the team that is dangerous, and that's the Indians. And I, I explained this in preseason way back in April. I said, the Indians are that team that scare me. They scare me because they have the pitching. Now, I know Clevenger's not there anymore, but they do have Bieber. You know, Bieber's the best pitcher in baseball right now. This year, Shane Bieber's the best pitcher in baseball. And then you have the lockdown back end. Forget about just Brad Henn, who's been fantastic this year. Karnacek is, is just lights out. So this team that has great pitching, tremendous starter, the ace of the league, the ace of baseball, let's just say it. He's the number one ace in baseball. Also have a good back end of the bullpen, and they have two MVP candidates, Jose Ramirez is going to be right there with Jose Abreu for MVP. And Lindor, they got some clutch players. I think the Indians are going to offer immense value, incredible value to move forward here. And then you have the A's and the Astros. Um, Look, the the A's are a team that you look at, and for some reason they just don't do it for me every single year. They kind of just, they're that team that you look at and you go, ah, it's the A's they don't have the starting pitching to to make waves. They have a nice team, another another playoff run, hang the division title sure, but at the end of the day, who are the ace? You know, who who are they? They're the team that has a nice regular season and loses in the playoffs. And until I see them do something different, my opinion of them is not going to change. So, in the National League, I still see the cream rising to the top. Dodgers, Braves, Potential sleeper is the Cubs if Hendricks gets real hot and compare you know moves over with Darvish and I still worry about that back end but but they have they could be that third sleeper team not San Diego which everybody's on not San Diego I still think it's the Dodgers in Atlanta and in a short series Dodgers Atlanta the pitching matchups will be fantastic the hitting the lineups are great. You know, the back-end bullpen, pretty good. I mean, it's, it's kind of a toss-up. I, I would give a slight edge to the Dodgers You know, to close it out if I had to pick now. How about the American League? So, by the way, so there's no value on the Dodgers. We, we don't have any value. If you want to throw some value, you're not really getting any there. I don't see any sleepers. I don't see that, that team. How about the American League? Well, before the year, I told you, in April for the AL Pennant, I saw the same two teams for the AL East. I had Tampa Yankees. Has anything changed? I don't believe in Oakland. Forget about the you know the Houston conversation on Toronto. Yeah, I don't I don't believe in Oakland for the reasons that they just consistently let you down. They're they're more of a regular season team. They don't have the ace to go up against a Garrett Cole. They don't have that number one. You go to the Central, I'm very scared of the Indians. But I'm scared of the Indians early. You know, early on, I I fear Cleveland to knock off a team or two. I just don't think Cleveland's going to be able to consistently do that every single game. Can they get pretty far? Yeah, they could get pretty far. Could they get to the ALCS? Potentially. I think they're that strong because Bieber is that guy. But I'm not going to take them to go that far. Minnesota, their starting pitching has got to worry you. And isn't this the same story with Minnesota? Go all the way back. Go back as far as you want. Go back to the Joe Nathan years, right? Go all the way back. And you're going to consistently hear Minnesota needing starting pitching, and they can't match up one-on-one with the aces that the other teams are bringing. And then you have the White Sox. Everyone's darlings right now. People are loving the White Sox. And for good reason. They have incredible hitting. You Good young core. Solid pitching. Decent bullpen. But nothing I said was extraordinary. Their hitting is still young. Sometimes that can help you. I think in the playoffs, that hurts you. I think the the excitement level of the playoffs is going to hurt them as well. Giolito, Keiko, they're good starting pitchers. But they're good. They're not great. They're not shut down. They're not somebody you stay up at night and fear and you you don't go to sleep because you're afraid that you're going to face them the next day. And their back end of the bullpen is very good. But it's not elite. It's not Kenley Jansen. Right? It's it's not uh, Josh Hader. It's good. It's not elite. So we go back to the same two that I had in April, and that's Tampa Bay and the Yankees. And the same two that I had in April, Tampa Bay and the Yankees, are in a collision course. When all is said and done, the Yankees, when they are healthy, which they are now, just have a better lineup. Top to bottom, a better lineup than the Rays 1-9. to They have a better bench and a deeper bench by far, I would say than anyone in baseball, but easily by far more than Tampa Bay. They have a better bullpen. Even though Chapman struggled a, a little bit this year. And, and the Rays, by the way, have a very, very good bullpen. And Anderson and I, I get it. Alvarado, I get who they have. It's not the Yankees. They're close, but it's not the Yankees. So it all comes down to starting pitching. And if Charlie Morton was pitching right, and if Charlie Morton was the guy that I thought he was going to be before this year, If Charlie Morton was that ace, I'd say I'm worried as a Yankee fan. But the ascension of Garrett Cole, even without Paxton, the ascension of Garrett Cole is Bieber-esque. It makes teams stay up at night and fear, how am I going to beat this guy? How are we going to go against him? So the ascension of Garrett Cole makes me say, we're looking at Yankees-Dodgers. I mean, nothing really has changed. All right, guys, before we leave, I want to say the Big Ten has come back. The Big Ten is here, guys, okay? They're going to play their season, but I think they set us up for failure. They're playing eight games in eight weeks when we've already seen teams like Notre Dame and and whatnot have to miss weeks. They gave no cushion room. I wonder if they intentionally set us up for failure, but at least we get some Big Ten games. So there is going to be some college football. I don't think they should be invited to the college football playoff no matter what, but that's just my opinion there. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. we got lots more to talk about. Of course, the NFL. And i got a huge Monday night game this week. Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs. I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. All that and more right after this
0: on Wagering Week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At
0: Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds?
2: What are the odds? Oh, we are going to the college football ball. And yeah, SEC, it's back, man. SEC is back. People are real excited. I'm going to go through just a couple of lines here. Not every single one of them, just the ones that kind of pop out. We're going to talk about some of the college football lines and some of the college football odds. Let's go through it here. Florida State, Miami. Well, the rivalry that once was a good rivalry... Florida State looks terrible. They come in as 11-point underdogs against Miami. Georgia Tech, 8-point favorites on the road against Syracuse. Pittsburgh, Louisville. Pittsburgh is a 3-point favorite against Louisville. The Notre Dame game I mentioned was canceled. Let's go to the SEC. Tennessee is a a 3.5-point road favorite against South Carolina. That will raise some eyebrows. How about Alabama? 26.5-point favorites with a total of 56 against Missouri. That's something to keep an eye on. Florida, Mississippi. Florida's two touchdown favorites against Mississippi. Georgia comes in as a 26 point favorite, up from 24 against Arkansas. On the road, you have Mississippi State, 16 point underdog against LSU. Vanderbilt, the perennial. Just whipping boys in the SEC against Texas AM. Texas AM minus 30 and a half. And the best SEC game of the week. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Auburn is a seven-point favorite over Kentucky in what's supposed to be a defensive battle. That is what are the odds. Got a lot, a lot of football this week. And you know what I've started to see with a lot of the NFL here um, is that the NFL lines and the college football lines. We're getting quite the differences. With the college football lines, we're getting big, giant, massive favorites. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's crazy. can't even go near them. It's hard to find a game, even though they're playing in conference. And the NFL lines, the more and more I look at the NFL lines, I'm just seeing just tight, tight lines, good games all up and down. And this week, it's no different. So let's go through some of them, okay? We'll start it off. Vegas, New England. Vegas coming off that huge Monday night win. Motions are running high. They look really good. Josh Jacobs look good. My Vegas Twitter feed filled up with Vegas is going to the Super Bowl. Calm down. But this line opens up at 6, New England. Bill Belichick is 40-15 and 15 against the spread after a loss. I, I mean, you can say all you want to say. That's, that's a stat right there. And you can tell me it was with Brady. Sure, some of it was. But not all of it. And Bill Belichick is now at home after a very disappointing loss. Belichick is at home. Belichick is off of a loss. Belichick is playing a team that, let's just be honest, he absolutely should be able to beat. He has owned Derek Carr in two career appearances. Carr has one touchdown, two interceptions. His teams have not scored more than 10 points. Yeah, that is pretty huge, guys. And now, on a short week off the emotions... This looks like a New England beatdown if it was the same old New England team. It's not. So, how much do you believe in the Vegas Raiders? Rams, Buffalo, one of the better games on the day. Buffalo now a two and a half point favorite against the Rams. Rams look good. Rams are a team that we could sit back and we could say, yeah, well, you know, maybe we misjudged this team a little bit. I didn't, but maybe we misjudged them. They could take advantage of what Buffalo is lacking right now. Without Milano in the middle, right now, you could attack Buffalo over the middle of the field. And what the Rams do well, would short passing. Cooper Cup over the middle on the slam play. You have both tight ends. Higby had a huge game. Everett's a good player. You you have the things that the Rams can do on offense, could exploit the Buffalo defense. And I can't believe I'm talking about the Buffalo defense being exploitable because the Buffalo offense is just so good. Josh Allen right now has thrown his name into the mix of MVP. It's two games sure, and it's against two terrible teams. I get it. The guy's hitting 70% of his passes. He now has Stephon Diggs and John Brown. He's got a duo there. He's got two guys in the backfield that can run the ball in Singletary and Moss, and he runs the ball himself. I think people are sleeping on Buffalo a little bit, but this is a Rams trip that will give them plenty of legitimacy. Houston, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a four-point favorite. What do you make of the Houston Texans right now? They've taken on the two best teams in the NFL, and now they have to go and take on Pittsburgh. I liked Pittsburgh before the year. My biggest bet and my lock of the century, and I hate that word, lock. I never use it, ever. But I loved Pittsburgh. I loved Pittsburgh this year to go over the eight wins. I loved them to go over the nine wins, over the ten wins. I thought they would compete. I love them. To go to the playoffs at plus money. And I gave you guys that. And they've shown me exactly what I like to see. Great defense. Tremendous defense. TJ, Watt just won defensive player of the week. Not only great defense, guys. Their offense is clicking in different ways, too. We knew their offense was going to be good. But their offense is clicking in different ways. From the passing attack, we know Big Ben is back. I mean, that's all you have to say. Big Ben is back. He looks very, very good. And Big Ben being back and looking very, very good is scary for the rest of the NFL because now he's got weapons. And he's got quite a bit of weapons. He's using Juju when Juju's defended, Dante and Deontay Johnson. When Deontay Johnson's defended, all of a sudden you have Claypool coming up. He's got weapons. And then in the backfield, we all thought Benny Snell, wow, he went crazy. Benny Snell's the new guy. James Conner back there looking good. But Houston, we don't know. I don't know what Houston is because Houston hasn't had a proper litmus test. Houston's played the two best teams in the league by far. I don't think there's many people that are going to argue that Baltimore and Kansas City are the two best teams in the league. Mike Tomlin said so this week. Okay, So you don't know what to make about Houston. We still know Watson is tremendous. This is an interesting litmus test for the Houston Texans. San Francisco and the Giants, you want to talk about injuries? Well, this is the injury game. Saquon Barkley out for the year terrible news for fantasy owners terrible news for giant fans and the giants are just they're lost for the year okay they're looking at a draft pick at this point but they still have some weapons on offense daniel jones look i know sterling shepherd's injured golden tate came back he's a little hobbled when these guys are healthy ingram shepherd slayton tate getting the ball from Jones, they can sling it all over the field. It's not who the Giants want to be, and they still have rookie offensive linemen out there, but they certainly can. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it this week. San Francisco, though, man, are they banged up. They just lost Nick Bosa, all in addition to losing Buckner in the offseason and Richard Sherman. They're down three or four defensive starters from last year but that's nothing compared to the offense. Quarterback is out. Starting running back is out. Backup running back is out. Two wide receivers are out. Starting tight end is out. San Francisco's a mess. I can't go anywhere near this game. I know that the number's four in San Francisco. This almost becomes a must-win for San Fran because of, of how good the rest of their division is. The rest of the division's sitting at 7-1. and one. Uh, The West, that has never happened since 2002. Huge for them to win this game. I just don't know if they will. I mean, I, I truthfully, I just don't know if they will because... They are so banged up. Tennessee, Minnesota. Minnesota is awful defensively. They're terrible. Tennessee's great. They're riding on top of everything. Well, why is the line only two and a half? Why? Because Minnesota's better than what we've seen them be. Now, defensively, they still have two rookie cornerbacks. I get that's going to be a problem all year. We know that. They also are missing Hunter, who's coming back either next week or the week after. But he's not going to be there for this game. Tennessee has to take advantage through the air. The problem is A.J. Brown's banged up. Uh, John Smith is very good, but he's not a deep threat. Uh, Corey Davis, still not sure if we believe in him. And do they try to even go to the air when you have a guy like Derrick Henry? So I think Minnesota is a team with a back against the wall. They cannot go to 0-3 and expect to do anything substantial this year. This is a dangerous game. Washington and Cleveland. Cleveland now from 5.5 all the way up to a 7-point favorite. People believed what they saw on Thursday night. But I believe what I saw on Thursday night also, and that's not a very good team. I didn't see this extraordinary, dominating, go-after-it-all-and-go-crazy kind of team. I didn't see it, guys. What I saw was a good football team that has a lot of problems. The quarterback is still a problem. Mayfield is not solved much. The offensive line, they could run block. Yeah, this team could run all day. I saw them having a little bit of struggle against a really weak Bengals front four. I also watched a defense get torched all night. By Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow is good. And he's got some weapons. But guys, why isn't Miles Garrett just living in the backfield here? Cincinnati's offensive line is maybe the worst. I, I'll just say the worst in football. Why isn't Miles Garrett and company living in the backfield? The Cleveland defense was shockingly bad. Now, Washington on the other side, they're living on defense. Landon Collins, Chase Young, they looked really good in Week 1. But they were down 17 nothing in that game. And they got blown out in Game 2. But it was to a very good Cardinals team. What is this offense going to be able to do? Like I said, Cleveland's defense looked bad, but Dwayne Haskins could fix a lot of that, and they still don't have a running back. I know they have some talent back there. They still don't have a running back. How Terry McLaurin is catching any balls is crazy. I would be triple-teaming this guy. He's the only weapon they really have. Will Cleveland be able to shut him down? Speaking of Joe Burrow, Cincinnati goes to Philly. They're catching five, five five-and-a-half points here in a dangerous spot for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cincinnati Bengals are coming off of a Thursday night, so they get extra time to prepare. Joe Burrow, you can see, is getting confidence by the snap. Not by the game, not by the quarter, by the snap. He is looking better and better out there and more comfortable. This is a Cincinnati team that is heading into Philly, and this is a dangerous spot for Philly. Philly is staring at 0-3 in the face. And not only would it be 0-3, it would be 0-3 and losing two games at home. And this Eagles team, they're in a must-win. Let's just say it. They are still banged up on the offensive line. But Miles Sanders came back and looked really good 95 yards on the ground. They still have got it in Ertz. They're starting to get healthier around the field. Right now, the problem is Carson Wentz. And people are questioning who Carson Wentz really is right now. What is he? Look, I'm not ready to throw the towel in on Carson Wentz and say he's, I won't use the word bust, but he's, uh, you know, not playing well. I'm not going to go out there and say it's time to give up on him in fantasy. I'm not out there and say, you know, this guy can't win and bring this team up. I'm not willing to do that yet. If he struggles against the Bengals, I will. If he struggles against the Bengals, he's leaving me no choice. Carson Wentz is a guy right now that is lost out there. He's not playing well. He's not seeing the field well. He's not getting it to his receivers well. But he is dealing with banged-up receivers, and he is running for his life because of banged-up offensive line. I think that's going to be squashed a little bit this week. The line is getting a little bit healthier. Lane Johnson is back. Miles Sanders going to get more of a workload. We heard, heard Coach Peterson say that. And you get the ground game going, that means they can't blitz on you. So I think that this could be the week that turns Philly around. But it better be, right? If Philly doesn't turn around this week, I don't know when they will. I don't know if they will. This could be one of those years for Philly where things just spiral completely out of control. And we've seen it happen, guys. We've seen it happen time and time again in football where people get off to a bad start, and then it just kind of slides downhill. Carson Wentz needs to have a good game here, and this Philly team has to win. Joe Burrow, though, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. How about Chicago, Atlanta? Atlanta, only a three-point favorite against Chicago. And I say only because, look, I'm a Bears fan, guys. And what I've seen in Chicago, I am sorry. I'm sorry. Atlanta's going to have a field day here. Offensively, it is the defense that is the worry for Atlanta. Defense has just been non-existent. They came in this year. According to Pro Football Focus, as the worst defense in the NFL, the worst defensive backfield. And, well, nothing's really changed, right? They are throwing all over them, and it looks absolutely pathetic out there at times. But can Mitch Trubinsky and the Bears take advantage of that? Allen Robinson still is not a major part of this. And Trubinsky and the Bears, look, they might be 2-0. They needed every hope in Game 1. And in Game 2, you know what? They almost gave that one away. Atlanta's defense is bad, and I think the Bears will move on them. But how about Atlanta's offense? 450 yards through the air in Week 1. 500-plus total yards in Week 2. And somehow or another, they're 0-2. And they are only three-point favorites. And they are at home. I mean, this is a scenario, guys, where you look at it and you just say, ouch. I mean, this is an ouch moment if you're the Chicago Bears. This is a dangerous, dangerous game. Over-under, by the way, is only 47.5. That's worth a look. I are talking about dangerous games. How about Jets at Indy? This opened up at 7, quickly went up to 8, 9, 10, 10 and a half, 11. This has just continued to rise. The Jets are pathetic. And everyone in New York is talking about Sam Donald maybe being on his way out and let's bring in Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's the conversation that people are having right now. And when you look at what the Jets are doing, they are banged up and they are bad. Adam Gase is playing for his life, okay? I don't think that Adam Gase is going to be here much longer. And that's probably a good thing. Le'Veon Bell is still on IR. Their wide receivers, Crowder was banged up. Perryman was banged up. Uh, They can't get blocking down. Their defense is is in shambles. The Jets have nothing good to say about them. But are the Colts worth giving 11 in a spot like this? Is anybody worth right now double digits this early in the season? That is my concern. Double-digit favorites at this spot early in the season, is just something that I go, I I just can't get behind. I can't get behind giving double-digit favorites, even if it is the Jets, even if it is this situation. I'm sorry. It's just something that I, I live with, and I go, I cannot get behind that kind of idea. Can't do it. Carolina, Chargers, much of the same reason here. The Chargers are going to start a new quarterback. Why? Because the team's own doctor punctured the lung of Tyrod Taylor minutes before the game last week. Uh, he was getting injection of monocaine to numb him up, but the numbing only lasts like four to four, four and a half, maybe five hours. So he gets it right before game time. Uh, it's a danger. It happens like less than 1% of the time, but he punctured his lung. Tyrod Taylor will be out. Justin Herbert in. Well, Justin Herbert looked really good this last week. He looked exciting. He looked like pinpoint. He knew what he was doing. But sometimes that helps a young guy to not have any uh, jitters, right, and not have anything to worry about. And he's taking on Carolina. He should move the ball. He should be okay here. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. He should be okay. But I look at Teddy Bridgewater, and I say, you know what? They're going to unload on Bridgewater. There's no Christian McCaffrey here, and it's still a rookie quarterback. Bridgewater, by the way, 17-4 and against the spread in his career. As an underdog. Something to keep in mind. Denver, Tampa. Everyone's down on Tom Brady. That's it. Brady stinks. Brady's terrible. Brady's done. Only threw 185 yards and a touchdown last week before the half. They are six-point favorites at Denver. Denver will be out uh, without Drew Locke, without Von Miller, without A.J. Boye, without Courtland Sutton. The entire team is banged up. Tampa Bay found some running last week. Ronald Jones looked okay, fumbled it. They pulled him out of the game. Leonard Fournette took over. And I don't think we see much of Ronald Jones from here on out. Godwin looks like he's getting healthy. Evans looks like he's getting healthy. This is starting to turn into the Tampa Bay team that we thought that they might turn into. And Tampa Bay, oh, by the way, they're playing really good defense as well. So the number six, 43.5, is the total. All right, how about Detroit and Arizona? Arizona is looking like that team that everybody wants to jump on, and they are absolutely playing like it. Three and a half-point spread went up to a six-point spread here. Arizona in their favor in their home ballpark against Detroit. Now, Detroit gets Kenny Galladay back. That's a pretty big get back right there. He's the their best receiver by far, giving Marvin Jones more room underneath. Arizona's defense has played well though. Patrick Peterson looks good. They are Taylor Jones looks good. Look, they have some pieces there on defense, and they've been playing better than we thought they would, but it's the offense that carries the day. Kyler Murray looks like the next in line. We went Mahomes. We went Lamar Jackson. You still got Russell Wilson out there, and now it looks like Kyler Murray's turn. He's got Hopkins, who he's throwing to all day, every day, and Hopkins is cleaning up. This is an Arizona team that is ascending. They're ascending very quickly. Detroit's defense is terrible, but I do worry about Matt Stafford. At any given moment, Matt Stafford can just outshoot someone. And this is one of those games with Galladay back that it wouldn't surprise me if Matthew Stafford had a really, really good game, Jones had a couple of touchdowns, Galladay had a couple of touchdowns, and it took some kind of field goal one way or the other to win the game. Matthew Stafford has these games in him. Every now and then he comes out with them. I just don't know if the defense is good enough to hold them even within this. So that is the early slates we still have quite a bit to do but first let's go bet to the future we're sending you back to the future okay all right bet, bet to, the to the future bet to the future all right let's talk about it the arizona cardinals we were just discussing how good they are well this is how good the public thinks they are the arizona cardinals are now and zero to start the season right everybody loves them it's really big oh yeah oh that's great but here we go. Back in the offseason, right after the draft, the Cardinals were sitting at about 50 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl. Only nine teams had longer odds. Well, after they won in week one over the Niners, people started to believe Murray and Hopkins, and I'm believing. Then it was 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Now they are 2-0. People are going, Yet yeah, I'm believing in this team. And it's down to 20-1. to Only six teams are in front of them. They got about the same odds as about the Packers and the Steelers. So people are believing in this Cardinals team. And that is bet to the future. All right, guys, we got two games left. And let's talk about the Sunday nighter. Dallas at Seattle. uh, Oh, we have three games left. Dallas at Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans. Let's talk about the Dallas at Seattle game with a 56 number on the board as their big total. And the 56 number is a massive total. But it's kind of warranted here. Dallas gives up 401 yards per game. Seattle, right, basically right there, and two dynamic offenses that have just been scoring and scoring and scoring. And we could talk all we want about how good these offenses are. And Prescott and Wilson are two of the best in the business. And Wilson looks simply extraordinary right now. It looks like they're gonna—he's gonna score about 72 touchdowns. Literally, he's on pace for 72 touchdowns this year. Seattle's averaging 37 points a game. And they're taking on a pathetic Dallas defense. And a Dallas defense that they have their reasons for being bad. Okay, we get that. Uh, they are missing Sean Lee. They are missing Van Der Esch, But they still shouldn't be this bad. The Rams had a field day with them. Didn't run up the score, but they had a field day with him. And Atlanta absolutely knocked them all over the field. And that was with a banged up Julio Jones. Seattle. Their defense is pretty bad, too. And while everybody is really high on what Seattle's doing offensively, and they're great, and Metcalf is turning into a number one. Oh, by the way, how impressive. Last year's Defensive Player of the Year basically shadowed Metcalf last week. Metcalf still had a huge game. Metcalf and Lockett, Carson and Hyde, and even Travis Homer. So you have a lot there running around Russell Wilson. But what about the defense? Bobby Wagner still very good but outside of him this defense is hurting and now Bruce Irvin is out for this game Bruce Irvin goes down Seattle's defense has been torched as well and New England came a yard away from sending Seattle to a loss last week so the number is 56 for a reason I hate betting on games that you know it's going to be ridiculous scoring because the five number doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of whoever has the ball last. I think Dallas has a really good game here. Dak Prescott should go to the air quite often. You know Zeke's going to have his yards, and I, I like the ascendance of Dalton Schultz. And you have Gallup, and you have uh, you have a ton of guys and a ton of weapons here. I think they're going to abuse Seattle secondary, and I think they're going to have a good game offensively. But so will Seattle. Last year, for most of the year, I told you that Russell Wilson was my MVP. After the year ended, I told you that Russell Wilson was the best player in the game. So I'm a huge Russell Wilson guy. But he can't keep playing at this elite level. Now, I think he does do really well against Dallas. But I think Dallas is going to kind of keep him on the sidelines a little bit, running Zeke. And that right there might be the difference here. I can't touch either game. By the way, Pete Carroll at home in September. He's got one loss. He just doesn't lose in September. How about the Sunday nighter, New Orleans and Green Bay? Everyone was questioning last week. Is Drew Brees... Well, everybody was questioning... Last week, is Philip Rivers done? Now everybody's questioning, is Drew Brees done? They're questioning, is Tom Brady done? Is Aaron Rodgers done? Aaron Rodgers answered the call, ding, 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 I'm not done. Tom Brady, who had 185 yards at the half last week, answered the call, ding, ding, I'm not done. Philip Rivers in week one through for 360, people asked if he's done well. He looked good again this week. He's not done. Now the attention turns to Drew Brees, and people are asking, is Drew Brees done? And I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Look, the Raiders are not a very good defense, and I know Drew Brees looked bad. But here is a Green Bay defense. That is Swiss cheese, and the pun is intended. Okay? The Green Bay defense is really, really bad. Now, he doesn't have Michael Thomas to throw to. That's okay. I think they're going to go short, intermediate routes. I think you're going to see a lot of Emmanuel Sanders. He was disappeared last week. I think you're going to see a lot of Emmanuel Sanders. You're going to see a lot more Alvin Kamara, which we did see. Short passing games. I don't think there's a need for Drew Brees to show off his arm in this one, and I don't think he will. On the other side, we have... Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers looks great so far this year. He looks MVP level this year. Oh, sure. He also took on the Minnesota defense, which is pathetic, starting two rookie corners. And oh, by the way, their best defensive player is out. He also took on Detroit, who lost their number one cornerback from a terrible defense last year. And their number one replacement for him is down this year. So this is the first real test against Lattimore and company in the backfield. This is a first real test for, for Aaron Rodgers, and he may have to do it without Devontae Adams. The New Orleans Saints are at home. They should be a three-point favorite. Don't let Monday night dictate how you're going to play the rest of your week. This is a game What you look at and you say, you know, New Orleans is the better team. I know they're on a short week. I get it. But they should be favored. But I'm not sure. I'm not completely sold that Drew Brees can just bounce back and recover without Michael Thompson. Do I think Drew Brees is done? No, I don't think he's done. I told you I didn't think Philip Rivers was done. I feel like I, that, that worked. Before the year, I told you Big Ben wasn't done. I told you Brady wasn't done. I don't think these guys or any of them are going to hit the wall the way that we saw you know, a Peyton Manning hit the wall. But I do think that Sean Payton can fear it and maybe take the game out of his hands, which makes me not love the Saints minus the three. It makes me not love this team because he doesn't also have Michael Thomas' number one weapon. When a guy gets older and a quarterback starts to get older, what he relies upon is the things that he knows. It's kind of the almost the muscle memory, but a brain memory. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in a little bit of trouble. I'm a little bit slower this year. My arm's a little bit worse. Where am I going? Who's my safety outlet? I'm going to my safety guy. And his safety guy sitting on the sidelines. Michael Thomas is his safety guy. Make no mistake about it. And he's sitting on the sidelines. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying this is a spot and this is a position where I think New Orleans should win. And I had New Orleans going to the Super Bowl. To me, this is a team I'm kind of going down with the ship with. The Saints are a better team. The Saints defense, I trust more than I trust the Green Bay offense. I trust the Saints defense more than I trust the Green Bay defense. I trust the Saints' defense more than I trust either one of those units. So I think offensively, the Saints are better. Defensively, the Saints are better. Head coaching-wise, the Saints are better. And dare I say, a quarterback is kind of a wash. I know Rodgers looks great, but I don't think he's marketably better. So with all those arrows pointing here, why am I not jumping on New Orleans? Well, because Drew Brees might be done. I don't think he is. I want to make that very clear. I don't think he is. But from a betting perspective, I'm not paying to find out if he is. I'm not going to pay to find out and all of a sudden sit back. You know how many people lost bankrolls? Lost bankrolls on top of bankrolls on top of bankrolls when Peyton Manning hit the wall? And everyone kept saying, Peyton Manning's not going to look as bad next week. And then the next week, well, he's not going to go through a stretch. And then the next week came, well, he's just not going to keep this up. No, people lost bankrolls saying that Peyton Manning didn't hit a wall. I'm not going to be one of those guys. Now, I'm not going to bet against it because I still think Breeze is that guy. But people lost bankrolls betting against this situation before. I'm not going to be one of those guys that loses money on a questionable call. And maybe, look, I would rather kick myself and New Orleans wins this game and goes away with it, okay? And I'm in the Super Contest. We're crushing it in the Super Contest, by the way. Three and two in the first week, four and one the next week. You know, we got seven wins, seven and three record. Um, I might put him in the super contest, maybe. But I'm not actually going out there and making a bet on an unknown, which is is Drew Brees done. Finally, Monday night, you want to talk about a bet everyone's gonna be making. Kansas City is now three and a half point underdogs to Baltimore. And I feel funny. I feel this is a weird line. I feel this is a, a weird spot. I feel like I read the public the right way. I thought that Kansas City was going to just absolutely eat up the money, but the line's going the other way, so we have some reverse line movement. You know, this is one of those games where you're going to kick yourself even if you don't do anything. Because if you don't do anything, you're going to be saying, how did I leave out Patrick Mahomes plus points? And if you don't do anything in Baltimore, wins and covers, you're going to go, how did I not go with Lamar Jackson at home a- in a revenge spot? You know, this is one of those games where as a sports fan, oh man, am I buying in. As a sports fan, I am pumped up, buying in. I'm ready to go. I'm going to sit back and really enjoy this game. But as an overall sports better, I feel like this is a dangerous dangerous spot. This has pitfalls all over the place for me. And it has pitfalls all over the place for multiple reasons. First of all, the Baltimore Ravens circled this game on their calendar the the day that they went home last year against Tennessee. This was the team. I've mentioned the idea that Lamar Jackson wants to be Patrick Mahomes. He wants the money. He wants the accolades. I'm the MVP. Why don't I get the accolades? I know that Baltimore wants to take down and slay their dragon, and their dragon is the Kansas City Chiefs. Make no mistake about it. And Baltimore has looked massively impressive in Game 1, squashing the Browns, and last week looked massively impressive again. There is no holes in this game. They have a three-headed now rushing attack that when you include Lamar Jackson becomes a four-headed rushing attack. They have a premier tight end in the league. They have a wide receiver they're not even using a Marquise Brown. Okay, This is a team that is dominating in all facets on the offensive side. And defensively, they edit Cleus Campbell. Defensively, you could argue they're the best defense in the league right now. Patrick Queen looks great. This is a great defensive team. Special teams, is there anybody better than Tucker? Is there a better coach than Harbaugh? But you could see much of the same about Kansas City. And a lot of people are going to make a lot of noise about what happened last week against Justin Herbert. First of all, let me just say... If you watch that game, a lot of that was Kansas City shooting themselves in the foot. And I don't want to take anything away from Herbert, okay, who looked very good. They also didn't prepare for him. And a lot of what Kansas City does is preparation because Andy Reid is that good. But let's talk about offensively. Patrick Mahomes not having the greatest start. He looks damn good. A lot of drops last week. You still have Kelsey. You still have Hill. You still have Watkins. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the man. Sorry, he just is. He looks really good. So, I look at this team, guys, and I look at Kansas City and what KC does, and it just jumps out at me, and I go, how does anybody bet against this team pretty much ever? But especially in Monday night, especially in September, by the way, Patrick Mahomes never lost in September, and especially getting three and a half points. So, from a football perspective, X's and O's on the field, let's talk about it. Guys, it's as split down the middle as possible. Quarterback, quarterback. I think Mahomes is a little bit better. Lamar's got the MVP from last year. It's a wash. Running back, running game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks really good. The Ingram-Dobbins-Edwards combo. Yeah, that's good, too. It's a wash. Number one receivers. Tyreek Hill has a slight advantage there over Marquise Brown, but it's not that huge. Tight ends. Kelsey's got a slight advantage over Andrews, but, man, Andrews looks good offensive line, I think Baltimore probably has a little bit better of an offensive line. So, offenses, I'll give Kansas City the nudge. The nudge, because I think they have better receivers. The nudge, because they have a slightly better tight end. And the nudge, because I still put Mahomes first. So, they get the nudge there. How about defense? Well, defense, you got to give the nudge to, to Baltimore. They have better secondary, and they have better pass rushers. Okay? So, Baltimore has a a better defense. Kansas City has a slightly better offense. Kansas City, remember, they're getting three and a half points. Andy Reid or Harbaugh? I mean, you're giving the nudge to KC, but it's only a nudge. And then Baltimore's at home. So to me, this is a coin flip. Look, I wish that this could be the Super Bowl, right? I wish these two teams could meet in the Super Bowl instead of the AFC Championship game, which they are destined and headed to go do. They should have done last year. But let's also remember that this Kansas City team You know, they win big games. We know that. The Ravens, they don't. The Ravens are 0-2 in playoff games with Lamar Jackson. And they're 0-2 against the Chiefs with Lamar Jackson. In all four of those losses, Baltimore, you know, they they got behind. And they played out of their comfort zone. That's a problem. The Chiefs, by the way, they play great from behind. They won six straight games when they're trailing by double digits. Six straight games. So they know how to play well from behind. This game is all about pacing. Baltimore has to get back to there. Just run it, run it, run it. And they've got to get the lead. If Baltimore gets behind, Kansas City is money. And they're plus three and a half. They're even better money. Okay? Even sweeter money. This is going to be a great game, guys. And I'm going to tell you now, I will not have a dollar on this game. I'm not going to have a dollar on it. Because I think that they are that close. Every instinct in my body tells me that Baltimore is probably the right side here. Line movement-wise, Baltimore's the right side. The the factor of revenge, Baltimore's the right side. X's and O's, probably Baltimore's the right side. But I just find it impossible to leave Kansas City plus three and a half on the board. I find it impossible to bet against Patrick Mahomes in this spot. I find it impossible. He just is one of those guys. For years, I said that about Brady. And I made money on Brady more often than not. But for years, I said against Brady, it's either bet Brady or run away. Well, right now, I think we're in that position. It's either bet Mahomes or run away, even though a lot of things point to Baltimore. So I'll give you a score prediction because I'm telling you now, I'm not going to have money on the game. So I'll give you a score prediction for fun's sake. Okay, and fun's sake says 27-24. How about 24-24 going into overtime, (laughs) right? At 27-24, Baltimore wins. That's my fun score prediction, and that's why I'm not betting on it, because I do think it's going to be that close. All right, guys, enjoy week three. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.